This evening, we're going to have a look at one of the stories of the Gospels. And out of all the, uh, the Bible stories that we have, I love the stories of Jesus the best. I, I just love reading them and getting into them and finding out what's going on. What is, what is this, this guy, Jesus, thinking and doing? And I don't know about you, but <clears throat> there are times in our lives where we can actually think that things are going really smoothly and well, and uh, we can be on a high almost, and all of a sudden something comes along to sort of rip the carpet from underneath us, or a, a stumbling block comes, and we go, oh, well, things were going well, but all of a sudden I'm having to rethink what I'm doing. And that's exactly what happens in this particular story that we're going to read from Jesus. And it's actually from Luke chapter 9. I think we're going to get that on the screen. Okay, I'm going to read through this. <clears throat> when Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, Note this, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out, so they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on. And he was perplexed because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead and others that Elijah had appeared and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so that they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the, to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Now, <clears throat> there's a couple of things that we need to note about this story, and I'm actually, I've got another slide that I want to put up, which gives an account, a chronological account of what actually happened in, literally, we're talking about 12 to 15 hours. 12 to 15 hours, and we'll come to that in a minute. But the, f the first thing that happens is that Jesus sends out 
the 12 disciples. This is not any group of disciples. This is the 12 of his disciples. The special ones that were really close to him. And he said, I'm going to give you power and authority and I'm going to send you out and you do what I've been doing. And they did. Meanwhile, what had happened? Can we maybe have that slide up and we'll have a look at... So Jesus sends out the 12 disciples and that actually happens before this particular day. The day, the afternoon that he feeds the over 10,000 people. Now, the story that we read from Luke actually doesn't say that Herod beheaded John immediately before this. It just says that he had, but some of the other gospel stories actually say that he beheaded John and then John's disciples came and told Jesus. And it really, really sounds like that they told him the morning of this day that he had heard that John the Baptist was, was dead. Now, why, why spend a bit of time on this? I want us to really understand what Jesus was going through during this particular day, like, like literally 12 or 15 hours. It starts off with him hearing about not just the death, but the loss of a relative whose head was cut off. And for no reason. John hadn't done anything. It was just a game, a political game. His daughter wanted John the Baptist's head, so she got it. Well, fancy mancy. And that's the way it went. Someone's life, but it was a relative of Jesus who had died. And he would have been grieving. And that very same morning... It says the 12 disciples returned to report to Jesus. Now, that's recorded in Mark and Luke. The, the death of John being told to Jesus is in Matthew. So if you read the different accounts, you will see these things coming together. So what does Jesus do? He says, come on, we've got to get away. Disciples and me, let's go in a boat. We'll go somewhere. And they do. Why? Because one, Jesus is grieving. Does he want to be around people? Probably not. But he also knows that the disciples have just come back from this amazing mission trip and they want to tell Jesus what had happened. They want to say, Jesus, you know, this girl that I had, she was miraculously healed and this man that started to walk and so on and so on and so on. And so Jesus says, well, let's go because we've got to talk about this. Then the crowds follow him because... He's so popular, so famous. He does so many amazing things. And the disciples had encouraged that by what they were doing. They actually walked around the edge of the lake and met him where he was. Now, Jesus then taught and healed the crowd. Now, this is probably, I don't know, maybe late morning, early afternoon that this is happening. So we think about the, the healing, uh, sorry, not the healing, the... Um, breaking of the bread and, and the multiplying of the fish and loaves. And we just think of it as feeding the 5,000. Now, literally, it's not even 5,000, it's 10,000. Like, if, if it's 5,000 men, there's got to be a lot more, all right? And we just think about the fact that Jesus multiplied bread and fish. But 
Six hours before, he'd learned that John the Baptist died. Six hours before, his disciples came and mugged him and said, listen to what we've got to say to you. We're pumped. We're excited. Then the crowds turn up and start putting the pressure on him. So he teaches them and he heals them because he had compassion on them. Now, then Jesus tells Philip. Now, this is very specific. The other Gospels actually don't have Philip. It just says disciples. But for some reason, um, John says Jesus tells Philip to feed the crowd. Then Jesus multiplies five loaves and two fish and feeds the multiple people. Then he sends them home. He spends time in prayer that night. His disciples, he sends them over the sea. He says, get in the boat, go over there, I've got to pray. And off they go. And this is, this is moving into the night time. Now, what happens after this? There's one more point that we can't see Mr. PowerPoint man. <laughs> Jesus walks on water till he gets to the boat. So we're talking about, as I said, 12 to 15 hours, and this is all punched into that amount of time. Grief, overjoyed by and overwhelmed by the disciples returning, um, the crowds crushing him, he teaches, he heals them, he does another miracle of feeding 10,000 people or whatever. Then he prays and then he goes and walks on water. You ever wondered why he walked on water? Like I was wondering, why didn't he just fly? <laughs> I mean, if you can walk on water, why can't you fly? Like, anyway, that, that's totally another message. Or not. <laughs> you think we'll leave that one? Okay, okay. All right, so why is this time frame so important? Like I said, it's got to do with the fact that all of this was punched into one day. This is, this is the, the, a day in the life of Jesus, if you like. And all those stories we've heard about separately actually all happen in a time frame and, and within a, an actual um, hour and minute sort of, Thing, with things before and things after. And so he does two of his most amazing miracles on the same day. The feeding of the 10,000 and walking on water, which to us is just so unbelievable and, and it's non-ministry, if you like. Like It's not like he heals, he ra doesn't raise anyone, he doesn't do anything that helps people in terms of where they're at. He just does something miraculous. He walks on water. But I think there's really, really uh, another reason why we need to see this, this context of what happened in that day. And that's got to do with the most important words of the story. Now, for me, the most important words of this story are actually the words of Jesus to Philip and the disciples. The others are all there. But for some reason, he says, Philip, you feed them. Okay, so here's, this is the context. He's been healing. He's been teaching all afternoon, if not longer. 
He's grieving. He knows where they are. He knows they're in a desolate spot. He knows that there's no butchers there, there's no bakers, there's no mackers, drive-through, anything like that. Like, it's really absolutely barren. And then what does he do? Like, when they, the disciples come to him and say, we've got a problem, they're hanging around, these guests of ours won't leave, maybe we need to feed them. Oh, no. Jesus says, well, you do it. You do it. You feed them. Now, just think for a minute. Just try and be a disciple at that time. Now, did you, say, did, did you hear what he just said? Like, you know, he said to us, we have to feed them. We have to feed them. But hang on. Yeah, but Jesus, look, we, we haven't got enough money. And it's a long way to the shop. And even if we went to the shop, are they gonna are they gonna have enough for us to actually like go around? All we've got, and then poor little boy, come with us. Five loaves and two fish. That's all we've got. What what's going on? Why did Jesus see Jesus hasn't done this before? Jesus has hasn't said to them, Well, yeah, here's this blind man calling out to me. John, your turn. You heal him. Um, that old lady, yep, you're over. Okay, you're done. Uh, none of that happens. But here he says, feed 10,000 people. I'm, I'm laboring the point because I want us to understand that this is a big ask. And my question is, why did he do it? Why, at this particular point in time, does Jesus say to them, I want you to do something miraculous? Because this is exactly the time that it's needed. There's no other way of doing it. And this is exactly where the context comes in so crucially. What were they just telling Jesus six hours before? We saw this person here, we saw that person raise, we saw that person walk, that one started talking and that one got its ears opened. We we were we saw so many people that came into the kingdom of God. Isn't it amazing, Jesus? This kingdom is amazing. You feed them. What? We've only got five loaves and two fish. The shops are too far away, we haven't got enough money. Remember when we are reading through the chapter, I said, take note of the fact that he said, take no bread. So who supplied the bread? So what's going on? John, if you read the, the story in John, John gives a, a little bit of an editorial note. And he says... He did this to test them. He did this to test them. Now, was this a, a fail pass test, a university entrance test? No, it wasn't like that. The disciples didn't fail. But it was more of a test of 
How far along have you come in your journey with me in ministry and in understanding the kingdom of God? So if I say this, how will you react? Does that make sense? And so what had happened? What had happened? Over here, while they were travelling two by two, it was a feast of miracles. As soon as they get back to Jesus on their high, it becomes a famine. What had changed? What had changed? What, what was it that in that situation they couldn't answer Jesus in the way he really would have loved them to answer? I mean, seriously. Like, John says um, he did this to test them because he knew what he was going to do. So he already knew. But he was saying to the disciples, you've just come back from a, a mission trip. You're on a high. I'm going to see whether you can transfer everything, every kingdom thinking, possibility, Every kingdom aspect that you saw, can you bring that with you and put it into this situation? And the disciples went, no, because <laughs> they didn't. They didn't take it with them. So what had happened? Jesus hadn't taken away their power or authority. He didn't sort of say, well, that's it. That was uh, three weeks there. I'm stopping your authority, cutting that off. You've got no more. They actually still had it. <clears throat> they just didn't realise it. That's the problem. The problem was up here. It was the, the transferring of victory and authority and power into another part of their life. And to me, the problem was is they went from abnormal back to normal over here with Jesus. It was like, I'm going on a mission trip. Yeah, yeah, yo, yo, ha, ha feeling good, everything's great, come back to home, and everything is so similar that the kingdom of God actually doesn't impact it. The patterns of behaviour, the patterns of thought, they just slipped back into them and said, well, you're Jesus. <laughs> We're back here being your disciples. What do you mean we feed them? And Jesus said... Now, here's your opportunity. You could step up. You could go from the villages where you did everything like that and you could say, Jesus, bless this food and it will multiply. And they could have done it. Because Jesus would not have asked them to feed them if he didn't believe they could do it. Right? Jesus would never have said, I'm going to ask you to do something you can't do. I've taken your power. This, this was genuine. Jesus was saying, you are able to do this. Do you get it? Do you get it? And um, I, I really think that we need to think about that for our lives. What is Jesus saying to us about you feed them? Because that could stand for so many things, couldn't it? 
Like, Lord, Lord, there's, there's, this needs to be done. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah? You feed them. I've given you the power. And that was one of the things that I really learned in the last few years is, uh, I mean, in ter- the, the greatest thing I've learned about God is the fact that he gives us authority. And then I would keep on praying, God, God, do this, do this, do this. And honestly, one day he said, you do it. You do it. Huh. Okay. okay. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> but that's the idea, isn't it? Like, well, you feed them. You've got the resources, you've got the power, you've got the authority. You've actually seen it, you've done it. It's just going to be different. Like, it's not healing, it's, it's changing bread and fish and making more of it. And really our problem is, is so much up here with where am I going to apply? Where am I going to push into the kingdom of God? Because the kingdom of God is not just morality. Like we talk about uh, Christians are so often accused of being moralizers and, and we want good people and we want honest, upright people. And that's, that's okay. I mean, we want to see our children grow up honest. God wants to see them grow up faithful. God wants to see them growing up in faith. And so you could be really faithful about your finances. You know, you get your taxes in on time, you pay the right amount, and you don't ever uh, overcharge your boss or, you know, change the accounts or anything like that. You're very, very good at it, and you're very scrupulous. And then God says to you, what happens if I take away your income? (sighs) Please don't do that. What's going to happen? And so you've been morally upright, But when God puts his finger on faith in terms of finances, pressure is on. And that's what we're talking about. It's it's seeing the depth and the breadth of the kingdom of God, where it goes so deep into our lives. And, And we can be so good in some areas, and we're very proud of ourselves here, but we are oblivious to some other areas in our lives totally oblivious and God God was putting his finger right on the disciples at that time remember I said right at the beginning oh everything's going well la 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 and then hang on this is a curly one (laughs) we've got to feed them and tonight really is all about us breaking deeper into the kingdom of God because that's what it's about That's what the Christian life is about. It's breaking deeper into the Christian life, into the life of the Spirit who exposes and reveals truth to us in the darkest of places, the places that we want to keep closed, the places that we might be aware of that we are not doing real well and we keep shutting the door. Go away. Go away. Not dealing with you now. Go away. And God says, Will you feed them? You feed them. 
You do it. See this whole area, this whole crowd, you didn't even think there was any kingdom possibility of doing anything in this area. But there was. And just that one question said, come on, have a look at it. Realize your potential. I just want to say, Kelvin, that you have enormous potential. I, I see God growing in you. Uh, you're, oozing, you're oozing the goodness and the grace of God. Your influence is growing, and you are going to be touching areas of lives and people and things that you haven't touched before. Uh, I can see that is happening on you, that, that power of God just starting to move sideways you've been going this way he's saying it's time to go this way too and that and, and that's really what we're talking about where where god says it's time to do something different it's time to look at those areas where you haven't looked before or you haven't wanted to look before so what i want us to do i want us to take just a few moments before God, and I want, I want you to ask him, what area do I need to look at? Where is the kingdom of God not fully revealed in my life because I can't see it and I don't think about it? So we're going to do that. I'm, I'm, and, and over the next... You know, a few minutes. I'm gonna. We're gonna have a few people speaking, getting up, and prophesying, and and so on. If anything comes up for you, we're not gonna deal with it sort of as a major group. If if something comes up with you and you really feel you need to pray with someone about it, then just hold it off to the end because um, we'll be up here and you can come and talk to any one of us or pray or talk to your friend or neighbour or husband or wife or whatever. So. What I want us to do, and, and I really have asked God that he would reveal, be a, the real spirit of revelation tonight for us. So, so let's just uh, close our eyes, bow our heads and seek God. And Father, we really want to see you reveal to us. Just give us a picture, maybe a word of an area that we have not yet seen that you have victory over, that you have the power and authority over, and we just, we cannot see it. We are blind, or we are ignorant, or we know it just a little bit, but we don't want to deal with it. If you feel that there is something God's speaking to you about, maybe you'd like to just talk to him about that now. Maybe just say to him, Lord, yep, thanks for showing me that. Or, yeah, Lord, I think it is time. You're pushing me. You're saying that door's got to be open. And I've got to go in. But I know you're coming in with me. And this is a place of victory, not a place of defeat. It's a, it's a place of fruitfulness. It's not a place of loss. We break fear over those places too.
Yeah, the devil's hold, we break that. The devil did not want the disciples to go from their victory on the mission to victory feeding the 5,000. So if there's any of that involved in these areas, we destroy you and your power. So there's anyone who would like to share with us just maybe the area that you feel you've has been revealed or um, that you've struggled with, um, we would love to hear from you. Not because we want to pry, and I understand how difficult it can be, but um, just want to give the opportunity for someone to, uh, or anyone to do that. Al, thank you. Mine was actually a bit of a shock, but I, because I have faith in a lot of areas, but then when I asked God, I felt like him say my emotions. So I have faith in a lot of things, but I don't feel like I have a lot of faith for him to grow me emotionally. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you, Al. Well, guess what? It's just begun. You've opened the door and you've said yes. And Jesus is going to deal with that. There is no doubt about it. So once you admit it to him, it's on his agenda. Ready was, but you've just partnered with him. Mm. And that's true for everyone. Thanks, Al. If there's nobody else, we're going to have a few people just come up and say what God has put in their hearts. Maybe for some individuals, but also for the church in terms of um, sort of just this area. And it, and it may not be specifically about this area, but um, we'll see where God leads us in this. So. Is anyone happy to do that? I just got a word for Eddie, for you. I was just praying before. And um, I just really feel that God is, as you continue to sort of seek in, him he's going to show you a new aspect of who he is he's going to wrap his arms around you and and the the things i just, i don't know if you've been praying for stuff or there's something sort of just under the surface which you're like i don't know if i can let this out but he's just going to meet you in that place and he's going to say yes i want to show you this part of me and he wants to show you how precious you are in his eyes he wants to show you that who you are is exactly who he made you to be and he just wants you to draw he wants to draw you in and just just with you explore all of the things that go on in your heart it's a really really safe place thank you Di I had something for you um, so it's something you need to go home and read as well so Isaiah 54 came to me for you and particularly verse 2 but just to outline a little bit it's talking about the barren woman to begin with and I felt that barrenness for you was an area that you've been struggling in that God wants to bless and give you breakthrough 
And so verse 2 actually says, Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out your tent curtains wide, do not hold back. Lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in the desolate cities. So I felt this is for you. There has been a barrenness. That is, there's breakthrough coming for you. Um, and prepare. All right. Amen. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Anyone else? Um, mine's a more general word. Um, we were praying during the week, Leanne and I, actually, and <laughs> I couldn't see people. Sorry. Sorry. I'll move it for you. Thanks. My bite. Very. Anyway, um, we are praying during the week, and we are praying about dreams, and what we sensed was that there has been a poverty spirit sitting on top of our and what I felt was a large number of you, your dreams. And what a poverty spirit does, it's not just about money, but a poverty spirit is all about a mindset of lack, always never having enough, always wanting, having to keep the tiny little bit that you have because you're never going to get more. So whatever you have, you better hold on to it because there's not any more coming. And I d what I felt was this poverty spirit has been keeping our dreams small and it's been squashing our dreams and what I felt was if you feel like that's for you I'd really love you to just take a really bold move and just stand where you are because I really want to break off that poverty spirit off off of your dreams because what we saw when we broke that off ourselves was that our dreams burst into life like a plant and it bloomed and there were flowers and there were fruit and then it just from there it just skyrocketed and it's like the top of this plant started to reach into heaven. And then everything of heaven just started to drip down. And what I felt like God said is your dreams are meant to be so big that they are meant to be bringing heaven to earth. That's what your dreams are meant to be. They're meant to be that big. Your dreams are meant to be so big, they bring heaven to earth. And if you feel like that's you, stand now. Because I just really would like to pray just a really quick breaking off of that prayer. If you feel like something's been squashing your dreams, if you feel like your dreams are small but you want them to be bigger, I want to pray into that. Awesome. I feel like there's more. I feel like there's more. How big do you want your dreams to be? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. Assume the position. <laughs> Jono just also mentioned if you don't know what your dreams are, if you don't even feel like you have dreams yet and you want dreams, you're like, I don't even know who I am, I'm still working all that out and I don't know what my dream is. I want you to stand as well because I feel like God wants to place some dreams in your heart because he has an amazing destiny and a purpose for your life. It's not just for the person next to you, it's for you. This is for you. He's a personal God. Yeah, I just declare right now over every person standing, we just break off that poverty spirit off of your dreams right now in Jesus' name. We just say, get off. You no longer be squashed 
We speak to every dream in every heart of every person standing right now. And we say, come alive. Come alive in Jesus' name. Where you've been squashed, we say no more. We say, grow, grow, grow. Grow, grow, grow. Yeah. Come alive. We just break off words that would say lack. Anything lack, we just break that off in your mind. We just break that off your thinking. No more lack. We declare abundance. I declare abundance over your dreams, abundance over your destinies. Yeah. Fill them up afresh, God. Yeah. May your dreams reach into heaven. Yeah, just see every dream growing, 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 reaching up into heaven right now. Yeah. And God, I just ask for a a bigger capacity for every single person to dream bigger. Enlarge their capacity to dream bigger, to fly higher, to go further. He has more for you. He has more for you, more than you can ever hope, dream or imagine. He has more for you. More. He has more. And when you think it's so amazing, how could it get any more amazing than this? He has more. He has more. We just break off small thinking right now in Jesus' name. Yeah, I just release you to dream big, to dream bold, and to walk in courage. Yeah, I release fresh courage over every person. Fresh courage to take a leap. Take that leap. Yeah. Bless you guys. You can take a seat. Um, I just had a picture of a fish in a um, tank and it was just sort of swimming backwards and forwards um, quite frantically and I guess the, the translation of that that I felt was um, that this fish can see what's beyond the tank but it can't touch it, it can't get to it but, and it's very confused because it can see it um, but the glass is obviously the barrier and I just feel like... Um, Sometimes we can see things, but they feel out of our reach. But then God just came and scooped up the fish, chucked it down the toilet, and it went into the ocean. Um, And that was scary for the fish because he didn't know where he was going. He couldn't breathe for a while. Um, But once he was released and in the ocean, there was so much freedom in that. And I think that's a journey that a lot of us um, feel like we are on. But to just trust that God knows what's best um, and that, Yeah, from the beginning of when he scooped the fish up to the release, he knew what he was doing, um, as hard as that is. But yeah, that's beautiful. (laughs) And don't fear the ocean, freedom. Let's get a real sense too that as, like for all of us, as we sort of um, press into this with what Rod's talking about, I think it's at the start of Romans 12, it talks about, um, don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. And I just want to encourage you, if if you're reading something in the scripture or if you're hearing something like this and it just doesn't make sense, just say, this doesn't make sense. What does this mean? Just, just be open for him to show you something fresh with it or something new with it.
even if you've read a thousand times or it's the first time or, or if it's completely foreign, just let him continue to renew your mind and that will help you to see differently. And I get the sense with the disciples, he was wanting them to see differently with this whole thing that he was taking them into. So I just want to encourage you that it's okay to go, God, I don't get this. Can you show me? And that place of your heart going, help. He just bang. Sandra, you've been on my heart all night. God knows your name and you're not just here because it's convenient. I really want you to know that God knows your needs. He knows your heart. His heart beats so deeply for you. You are just as important a part of this community as the rest of your family. You love them with a fire of passion, but it doesn't compare even slightly to the fiery passionate love that God has for you. And I really believe that he wants you to encounter his presence in a way that you have felt like you don't deserve or that can't happen for you for some reason. I just want us to release that over Sandra now as a community and at the same time just a healing power that'd be absolutely perfectly created cells all through your body. In Jesus' name. Amen. So can I just encourage you just to stand there or sit there and just receive. Just put your hands out. You're important. Let's all join together and just pray for Sandra. Right now, God, help Sandra just to put everything aside in her mind that you would just fill her mind with images of heaven and just an understanding and a peace that surpasses that understanding that you are God and that you love her. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, the, the curtain tore from the top. No man did that. That was God. And he gave us access to the fullness of who he is. And right now, I just really believe that God, your Father in heaven, Sandra, is inviting you to know the fullness of who he is. And all the things that might be trying to get in the way, we just say no in Jesus' name. We just take authority over the sickness that's trying to plague you. And we just release heaven's power over that. And we just, by your presence, Jesus, just wash that away. Would you replace the cells? I heard a testimony the other day, Sandra, this is for you, of a lady who'd had a very, very bad car accident and her whole spleen had been removed. And years later, she was having some tests done and the doctors found a spleen in her body. 
and they couldn't figure out how it got there. There's actually a storehouse in heaven full of organs, spare ones, ready. So the organs and the things in your body that need replacing, we just call it to be true in Jesus' name. We don't have to call and shout and scream and do a war dance. We can just ask Jesus to do it. So right now, Jesus, the organs in Sandra's body that need to be renewed, we just ask that you do that now. We just thank you that you're a powerful and wonderful and loving God. And pray that as Sandra sleeps, that you would just meet her in her dreams. That she would know that she is a very, very important part of our church family. That you just release encounters over her every moment of every day. Thank you, Jesus. Jen. Thanks, Jesus, for such a beautiful, peaceful, soft presence that you have here with us. Cam, do you want to say anything? I know we're kind of getting towards the end of the, the night, but I just really felt on my heart just to offer the opportunity for anyone who either has never made that commitment to or accepted that invitation of Jesus. Um, for him to come and dwell in your heart or if there's someone who potentially you know maybe you did years and years ago and you've kind of just been on cruise control since then and you really want to just make tonight be the start of something new where you step into a closer deeper relationship with him than you ever had before i just want to extend that invitation to you um and i really really encourage you if that's you would you just come up and talk to us afterwards and we'll just pray for you and we'll just let God meet you where you are. You don't have to, you know, do all the right stuff in order to come to him. He's ready to come to you. So if that's you, just come and talk to us afterwards.